Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series, one by one. We will be spoiler-free of details from future episodes, but full spoilers for all of the episodes that we have discussed in the past. <laughs> I'm Jason, and gosh, man, my heart's broken after watching this episode. Yeah, I'm Harrison, and yeah, that was rough. Mm-hmm. That was a rough time. <laughs> uh, Jason, why don't you tell our beautiful listeners what episode we watched today? Uh, we are watching Angel Season 3, Episode 9, Lullaby. This is the one where Angel finally learns the truth about Holtz. Even though we had, like, the episode end, the last mm-hmm. episode ended with uh, him seeing Holtz. But we really get the truth of it this time. And uh, Darlin' Angel's baby is finally born, but with a cost. Mm-hmm. Yes, R.I.P. Caritas. I'm going like, to lighten it up whatever way we can. <laughs> Lullaby was written and directed by Tim Minear, and it originally aired on November 19th, 2001. Jason. Harrison. What are we drinking today? How about some martinis made by you? Yes. Um, I just realized I forgot to offer you um, an olive for your martini, but if you want an olive for your martini, they are right behind you. Uh, I think I can can survive without it this time. All right. Uh, Yeah, we have martinis, nice cold uh, martinis. I feel like sometimes when we get really sad episodes, I think we did martinis for becoming as well. Um, you may have done that because I really like martinis and uh, Becoming Part 2 is my favorite episode. Yeah. Um, so that may have been it. When we have, when, when our sad drinks <laughs> are sad episodes. <laughs> when Jason's sad, I make martinis. <laughs> uh, it also just helps that we had stuff for martinis. <laughs> um, also, this vermouth is actually a different one than we usually buy. It's a little nicer okay. um, than the, the stuff we usually have. So um, it's pretty good. Okay. Um, do you want to lead us in a toast? I will. Um, you can probably guess what it's gonna be for. Uh, I think so. To Miss Julie Benz. Oh, oh, it wasn't what I thought. But well, what did you think I was gonna do? I actually I thought we might uh like uh, it might be a toast for uh the recently departed Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick. I mean, yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah. Your toast, your rules. Like. I mean, I I just want to say to Julie Benz yeah. because this is uh pretty much the last full appearance uh that we get of her in. Um, either show, I mean, more than likely just like, just angels since that's where the majority of her appearances have been as of mm-hmm. late, but, uh, and just what a way for a character to go out. Yeah. Um, and honestly, super strong performance all the way throughout, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, I'm going to throw it in there as well. Um, lost a, lost a legend, uh, of this weekend in Lance Reddick, um, who I first, uh, I'm pretty sure the first thing I saw him in was Fringe. Yeah, definitely Because for me. I was watching Fringe before I started catching up on Lost. Um, oh, I forgot he was on Lost. Was Matthew Abaddon. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, but uh, but yeah, he is. He's just great. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know obviously loved him in Fringe, even though like you know his character often took a backseat to everybody else. Mm-hmm. 
but the episodes that did focus on him uh, as Philip Royals was great, were great. Um, and then, uh, like, when his, like, when alternate Broyles had his son kidnapped. Yeah, it's a good uh, episode. Uh, but um, I think, like, he... Now, I haven't seen him in Oz, because I haven't seen Oz. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently, like, he was in that as well. But uh, I think probably his biggest thing that people know him for is, is Cedric Daniels in The Wire, yeah. which, I mean, there are very few poor performances in The Wire, mm-hmm. but, I mean, his is exceptional. He's very much a like a foundation of that show, oh, yeah. and uh, and then recently um, last year I watched all the John Wick movies for the first time, and I was really excited about the new one coming out. And I just when I first saw him in the original John Wick, I'm like, oh yeah, I love him. Yeah. Um, so the fact that um, they're doing they were doing promotional like tours for John Wick Chapter Four, and that's when he passed away. I mean, just sucks. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that probably means that he won't be in any more, any further uh, chapters of this franchise that turn out to be surprisingly really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sad to see him go, but love that he has this huge body of work that mm-hmm. we can enjoy. Yeah. So thanks for that, Lance. Cheers. Yeah, I was actually about to say the first thing I saw him in was Fringe until you reminded me of his role on Lost and I didn't watch Fringe until after Lost had ended. Um, so yeah, probably the first thing I saw him in would have been Lost, but I think the first thing that I really like he like I knew him for yeah. was Fringe. He doesn't show up until like season 4 of Lost yeah. and uh, And I think his role's pretty minor. It's, it is. Like, um and I remember Lo- uh, Fringe premiered Fringe premiered while I was in 2008, right? 2007 or 8. Yeah. 2007 or 8. Yeah, so I remember watching that, and he's like, you know, they're from episode 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once season 4 of Lost ended, that's when I was starting to catch up on it. Mm-hmm. So again, like, it, it was, was very close, but... Yeah, and season 4 would have been 2008, because mm-hmm. um, that's when the writer's strike was. Because um, that season of Lost was a bit of a victim of the writer's strike. Lost about three episodes that it was supposed to have. But you know, but, that was also when uh, they were like at a point where they said, hey, we need to finish this series and we want to do it on our terms. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, honestly, it kind of worked. That was, that was the end of the 23, 24 episode seasons. Yeah. And shorter seasons, but we're also getting to the point of the series. Mm-hmm. No more tattoo episodes. All right. <laughs> um, so before we dive into Lullaby, um, I want to I wanna talk about something real quick that is going to sound so unrelated, but I, it really is like tied into this episode of All what right, we're going to talk let, about. Let's take this journey. Um, so uh, last night, John and I went and saw um, a show called Anita Do-Over. Um, which was uh, at uh, Play Louisville through Drag Daddy Productions, which is like a drag company. Um, it was written by friends of ours, um, my friend Eric, uh, whose husband Mark actually designed our logo. Mm. Um, and thank you, Mark. It's uh, good good yeah, logo. We love the logo. And uh, local drag performer, who's also a friend of ours, uh, Mayonnaise. 
Um, so the show is a drag parody of Anita Bryant. And Jason, do you know who Anita Bryant is? No, I okay. don't. So Anita Bryant was a, well, she's still alive, um, but she was known throughout like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, primarily as a singer. But now she's more known for um, uh, being a pretty, uh, pretty horrible anti-gay activist. Um, uh, she's the one you've maybe uh, possibly seen parodies of or uh, seen like this where in an interview she got like pied in the face. Mm. Um, so recently she was back in the headlines because her granddaughter came out as, les- as a lesbian and was talking in an interview about how she was conflicted on whether or not she wanted to invite her grandmother to the wedding. So the show that they wrote um, is about, uh, like within the context of the show, um, Anita Bryant, uh, who was played by uh, May Ones, which is such a great drag name. Um, and she is very, very family oriented. So she, even though she doesn't approve of it, she really is desperate to be invited to her granddaughter's. Um, I think one of the ways she describes it is a celebration, or as party to celebrate her good friendship. Um, I'm getting like a little bit of sordid lives adjacent. A little bit, yeah. Vibes. Uh, definitely some of that in there. Um, but. In order to score this invitation, her granddaughter has made her travel across the country to speak at gay clubs and apologize to the queer community. That's the premise of the show that they've written. And it was very funny, like it was it was great, but it also had, you know, this kind of deeper subtext, and then, you know, kind of later on in the show text of like questions about redemption. And, you know, this horrible woman, this horrible bigot, um, does she deserve redemption? Is she capable of it? it? And it's, you know, it's not interested in answering that question. It's mostly just posing it and, you know, it's for thought. And then, you know, get some uh, some physical comedy out of throwing pies in people's faces. But um, it made me, it was just so timely because I was thinking about this episode. Um, and of course, Angel, the show, is all about redemption. Um, and this arc is a bit about redemption for Darla. And it just got me thinking of, like, is Darla, quote-unquote, redeemed at the end of this episode? Can she be redeemed? Is that possible? Darla doesn't seem to think so. She she straight up says in this episode that, like, you know, there's, you know, no good like, for us. Yeah, I've never, I've never done anything good except this one thing. Yeah. So, um, I just... It was just so funny watching that show and coming out of it. And it was already thinking, I was like, wow, this is really kind of ties into what we're talking about potentially in this episode. Because I, I do kind of have that thought sometimes. I'm like, oh yeah, Darla redeemed herself at the end. But it's like, did she? And I, like, she does a really heroic thing, sacrificing her life to save her child. And... Um, but does that equal redemption? Is it possible for redemption? What is redemption? Yeah, I guess in the end, redemption is in like the eyes of the people that are left behind when you leave this earth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's their opinions that, I mean, whether you're redeemed or not, he's kind of on them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would say that, uh, 
with this act, it is a truly selfless act. Mm -hmm. And while it in no way, I mean, for those who like have moral scales or whatever, I don't think it like tips the scales entirely to Darla's side, but I also think it's like maybe redemption isn't necessarily, oh, does this mean that like, you know, she was good all along? No, but I think it does mean that, oh, maybe we're aware that she has the capacity for good. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't think it's like a necessarily all, a redemption isn't necessarily an all or nothing thing. I agree. Um, and that's, of course, this is the thing I love about this show and Buffy too, but is those murky moral questions we, we sometimes have to delve yeah, into and that's, and ask. That's more Angel's bread and butter oh, yeah. than... Uh, than um buffy's like buffy's been dealing with a lot of like existential dread as of late (laughs) Uh, but i think it just does that in general but i really do think like the nature of what's a good person Mm -hmm. um like what makes a hero what makes a villain Mm -hmm. that's like that is that is like angel's backyard yeah and that's their playground and that's one of the reasons why angel's probably my favorite fictional character mm-hmm. it just out of every fictional character because it's never clear like he's a person who's constantly trying to do good but not only has like a massive past to work against but also sometimes what you're doing that you think is good isn't always the good the good mm-hmm. thing i mean we've seen it before we see it at the end of season four mild spoiler where you're like <laughs> Oh my god, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, like it's it the question of like what is good, what is bad, what is redemption, what is damnation. Yeah. That is that is a huge thing in this in this series. I, yeah. That is the thing in this series. And I just and the thing is about it is I don't think there is an answer. Mm-mm. I think we have to ask the question, we have to ponder it, but I don't Yeah, I don't think and you know, cuz it's going to be different for everyone. Yeah, I mean you know, as much as we would like to say that there is such stuff as absolute good and absolute bad, uh, morality is not absolute. Mm-hmm. Um, like, people on this planet have... There's a wide range of what's moral and what isn't. Yeah. I mean, Lord knows, like, if we ever were to, like, meet people from an entirely different planet, mm-hmm. maybe they like... They're like, morality? What the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think about these things from time yeah. to time. <laughs> so, you know, light, simple stuff to start the episode off with. <laughs> uh, insert penis joke here. <laughs> All right, let's... <laughs> insert. <laughs> uh, there it is. Right. Uh, so thank you for going on that slight, like, not a tangent necessarily, but, like, adjacent. Also, just shout out to uh, Eric and Mayonnaise. Like, it was a, it was an amazing show. We had such a good time. So. Glad, you had, glad you had a good time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we start off, uh, basically pick up right at the end of the last episode. Uh, Darla is um, in labor in, Angel's, in uh, the backseat of Angel's car. Um, Angel is in the Hyperion lobby where Holtz, uh, he encounters Holtz. He has uh, two demons that are able to, like, kind of bind Angel at the neck. And, uh, you know, Angel can't, like, comprehend it all. Um, And he keeps asking questions. And we also get a a flashback uh, to kind of add a little... Like, because the last time we saw Holtz in a flashback was 
um, him discovering, him writing, like he discovered in that uh, decoy house mm -hmm. that um, Angel and Angelus and Darla have gone after his family. Uh, and he's writing back. Um, he when he gets to his house, he uh, he sees his wife is dead, but he hears his daughter Sarah calling, and uh, he's at first he's relieved because she survived the like the visit from Angelus and Darla. But any true like person that knows vampires know that like oh if there's a survivor, mm -hmm. they're not really a survivor, and uh, he like holds on to his daughter um sings her a lullaby and uh notices that she has the vampire puncture marks in her neck yeah. so we're led to believe that she has been turned mm -hmm. uh which is probably the um i will say that, like he's probably pissed about his wife being murdered but the fact that they left his daughter a vampire probably is the thing that he hates the most oh yeah well because i think in his view um to him that means his daughter has essentially been damned mm -hmm. um and you know i don't know i i don't think that's really how it works in this world i um it's as we discussed i think last week what's a soul and what's not it's always a little unclear <laughs> But um, I'll, I'll just say right out of the gate, I think the Holt stuff in this episode is far better than the Holt stuff in the last episode. Yes, I was actually going to say that this first scene that has the conversation between Angel and Holtz before Lila shows up is the best that we've seen mm -hmm. of Holtz. Yeah. And I don't know how long this is going to last, but I think that he's a he's an interesting villain now. Yeah. Um. And uh, I do like, I do like that scene at the end. Oh, I love as well. it. Oh. Um, and obviously for many other reasons, but I do actually like the Holtz part of it as well. Yeah. Um, Wolfram and Hart, uh, Lila and Gavin are not are unable to figure out who this player is, and uh, Linwood is he's not interested. He's just like, uh, oh, I'm I don't know about this because I was never here. So uh, when you guys tell me about this um, at our staff meeting on Thursday and I hear it for the first time, uh, you can be sure that, that heads are going to roll. And in Wolfram and Hart's case, it's, that can be fairly literal. Yeah. Um, Gavin says, they're like, oh, he's going to crucify us. And Lila's <laughs> like, oh, we don't crucify here. It's too Christian. Which I wrote down that line because it's a funny, li it's a funny line. But also... I mean, I feel that the majority of the just mystic, mythical imagery throughout Buffy and Angel is, in fact, Christian imagery. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, because crucifixes and holy water are, uh, are you know, two of the things that harm vampires. And, uh, yeah, so I feel that, the, that with most vampire stuff you get a lot of Christian imagery oh, with yeah. that, which is actually one of the reasons why I like Vampire Diaries, because their, uh, their vampire mythology isn't necessarily, like, is not derived from, like, they work around the Christian symbology. Yeah. Like, uh, when Elena's asking Stefan, like, all the stuff that can harm a vampire, she's like, uh, oh, what about crucifixes? He's like, well, they're decorative. 
holy water is like it's wet yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny because um obviously whedon is like a pretty hardcore atheist but he's very clearly obsessed with like judeo-christian uh imagery and like you know in a show about vampires like you said obviously that's something that's going to come up but it's stuff we see in like firefly as well um but i mean one of the main characters on firefly is a fucking preacher Mm -hmm. like um one of the best characters on firefly is a fucking preacher i mean all the characters on firefly are the best characters all the characters are amazing (laughs) um but um shepherd i was like trying to figure out like what's the what's the actual like rank yields like shepherd yeah shepherd um r.i.p to um oh gosh what was that actor's name ron glass ron glass yeah i mean he passed several years ago but still um so yeah um it's also is kind of funny that uh obviously the idea of crucifixions has become very much a christian symbol uh but like many christian symbols uh did not start its life that way mm-hmm. um yeah uh i uh and also like linwood this guy is just that scummy boss i love him he's such a good <laughs> He's it's, such a, it's it's nice that you can get like he's so different from Holland yes. because Holland does have like that kind of I mean it, he'll do exactly what Linwood does um, like he would say oh well just a heads up I can't take the fall for this you've got to but at the same time it does feel like he tries to nurture people that he sees potential in mm-hmm. to be good which is why he had that relationship with Lindsay yeah and uh, maybe not so much with Lila but. Lila's not going to get any nurturing from this guy. No, yeah, I think he's a great replacement for um, for Holland because um, obviously, yeah, he's functioning in that same role. Um, but he's such a foil for him, and I, I just, I love both actors and I love both characters. Mm-hmm. And so Lila decides to go over to the hotel uh, because they still haven't reestablished their surveillance, and uh, mm-hmm. she ends up getting caught by Holtz's men because. Holtz has sent them out to find Darla because he's still thinking with that uh, with that 18th century brain of his. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, where is um like if Angelus is here, Darla's not too far behind. And in this case, he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he is technically right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, Lila does inform uh, after saying, like, "Oh, are you are you torturing him?" Please be my guest. I'll, I'll come back when you're done. And uh, Holt says, like, oh, I'll be done when he's dead. Uh, but that's when uh, Lila fills him in on the fact that Angel was cursed to have a soul. And that's kind of why he, like, Holtz is able to see, um, oh, all right. So he's different now. He truly is different. Um, which is, is interesting. Now... One thing I want to bring up, and uh, we were just talking about religion, but uh, I, I, I specifically noted that um, when Angel's trying to explain things to Holtz, he says, Holtz, you're a good man, you're a righteous man. And I kind of like, even though this doesn't necessarily like pertain too much to the episode, I did want to kind of mention like, oh, I don't think a good man and a righteous man are the same thing. Yeah. That I believe righteous... Necessarily, yeah. Yeah, I mean, righteous is... Honestly, at times, righteousness can get in the way of being mm-hmm. good. 
I believe like good is being truly good to your fellow man. I believe righteousness, you can very much kind of say, oh, I'm very adherent to this creed, yeah. whatever that creed may be. And, um, and I believe that it's implied that um, Holtz is a Christian. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, with all the references, like, I don't know if it's a specific Christian. Um, I believe at that time, well, at that time it could be anything. But with the monks, you're kind of led to believe that it's akin to Catholicism, but it could be its own thing. I think... It could be like some kind of orthodox thing. I feel like didn't like the head monk mention something about being like excommunicated? Yeah, which is which is right. very specifically Catholic. Catholic. So now that doesn't necessarily mean that Holtz doesn't align with Catholicism, um, as we see. It he's, honestly he's is not probably a like a modified Catholicism mm-hmm. that's modified for the purposes of this order. Yeah, um, of the monks and Holtz. Yeah, because yeah, as we've seen already. Holtz is not above working with people who, you know, on paper do not share his ideals. I mean, Angel, and, like, Angel calls him out, like, the last time I saw you, you used to work with men. Yeah. And he calls him out for having the, work, for working with those demons. Yeah. I mean, he's literally made a deal with a, uh, you know, a deal with a demon. Yeah. Um, I want to, Lila has such a great line when Holt says something like, you say you deal with the law, and she's like, oh no, I'm a lawyer, I don't care about the law. Yeah, I wrote that, I wrote that down as well. Um, uh, Holt's exact line was, uh, you deal with uh, man's law, I deal mm. with God's law. Um, but yeah, righteousness, often people believe that, oh, I'm very adherent to this strict moral code. That makes me better than you. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, and like, you know, righteousness, self-righteousness um, leads to... Uh, uh, what's that? Uh, why am I blanking on it? Uh, like it's the it's like another word for pride, um, but yeah, it's like that tragic fault. But yeah, hubris. Thank you. I don't know why I blanked on hubris. <laughs> I guess I don't use it in my normal <laughs> in my normal day to day conversations. Oh, I'm always I'm I'm always using it. Someone does something like arrogant i'm like uh, hubris is gonna get you yeah gonna have to cut your uh, eyes out after you fuck your I, mama yeah i feel that self-righteousness often um is followed by hubris mm-hmm. and again the greeks called it out that is a tragic flaw mm-hmm. um and that is very much what makes holtz like if holtz were somebody that was trying to kill a vampire um that wronged him two vampires that wronged him then we'd be like, oh, this shouldn't be the, like, this should be the guy that we're cheering for. We shouldn't have any reason to think that he's a villain. But the way he's going about it, the way that he has this absolute, um, this absolute, uh, and, you know, absolutes can be kind of like the downfall of morality. Mm-hmm. Um, he refuses to see the shades of gray, only sees the black and white. So he sees Angel and he's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. You're the person that killed my family. Even though you could argue that he's not. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of like throws uh, Holtz's plans for a bit. Yeah. But while this, um, while this explaining and catching up of, uh, you know, while watching the Buffy season one and two DVDs, <laughs> um, Angel is able to uh, like... Uh, 
does he like grab the grenade with his foot? Yeah, he manages it to up kick into it up. his mouth. Yeah, uses his uh, like uses his teeth to pull out the pen, and then like spits it out at uh, at Holtz. Um, so hot. <laughs> so hot. The only the only part of this that rang false to me was him telling Lila to duck. He doesn't give a fuck at this point. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't know. believe that in like season two before Lila did what she did to Cordy. Like he's not gonna go out of her way, out of his way to fuck over Lila right now, but he's not giving her any warnings. He gave her that warning. Also, uh, um, while this is happening in the alley uh, where they have the car parked, at first everybody is uh, crowding into the front seats. And Donna's like, is nobody going to sit next to me? She's not in a good mood. Wes has just told her to uh, breathe, like, and uh, and that leads Darla to just say, I don't breathe, and hit every single person in Angel Investigation. Nice. I, and then breaks down in tears. Yeah. Um, have we ever referred to Angel's car as the Angel Mobile? I feel like we probably did that at least once in the, uh, we probably did that at least once in, uh, season one when the Batman yeah. parallels were extremely clear. Yeah. I was gonna see, like, every time you've been saying Angel's car, my mind was like, and also, Angel Mobile. And also <laughs> in, um, in the Gem of Amara episode, when Spike is saying, like, all that stuff about, mm-hmm. like, oh, I understand, I have a gay son too, and all that, he's like... <laughs> putting in the words for the conversation he does say to the angel mobile away yes. so yes it has been referred to both in show and by us as the angel mobile that episode also featured the osmobile so mm-hmm. double mobile yeah um but uh, <laughs> classic at, double mobile yeah, at this point uh, demons attack um the demons attack angel investigations and uh they're all crowded in the front seat because nobody because you know I think the main reason is that nobody wants to sit next to Darla she's like oh I promise I won't throw anybody out of the car while it's moving Um, but they also they said like oh no it's just that your water broke over the back seat Um, which I think I made mention in the last episode like just ruining the upholstery of the car yeah he's gonna have to take that to my grandma (laughs) but the uh, demons that Holtz is uh, that are part of Holtz's crew uh, they end up fighting uh, Angel Investigations, so they try to fight it off, but while they're doing that, Darla drives away. Yeah. Um, she does take the time, though, to hit all of those demons with the car, yeah. but then drives away. Um, Angel, having just escaped from the explosion in the hotel, it's like, what are we looking at? <laughs> yeah, when he gets that car back, he's going to need to take it to see someone, because running over that many demons... In quick succession, it's not going to be good for the. His transmission is probably shot. Oh, it's um, the worst. Yeah, he's going to need it like completely redone. Redone, and it's an old car too, mm-hmm. like an old nice car. That's not going to be cheap. They are going to need to take on a lot. Well, of if it's those older cars are tougher than. Uh, That's true. So honestly, the upholstery might be the only thing that might, that might need the yeah. uh, that might need the fix. You might need to get the tires rotated, get some of the bearings well, set, that's, readjusted. Well, I, mean, I that, don't know that, what I'm talking that's about. That's routine maintenance. So <laughs> that, that's routine maintenance that you should get all the time. Yeah. Uh, Holtz uh, Holtz is thinking back. Uh, oh wait a minute. 
it uh, should be noted that uh, when Holtz goes after, uh, like, decides to uh, leave the Hyperion, Lila finds the Niazian scrolls and just takes it. Yeah. Takes Wes's notes, too. Um, and takes them to a very annoying <laughs> I love this guy. No, like, I, I, ver- I do understand his excitement about it. Um, and all the different, like, things that come up while he's translating. But I could totally get Lila's annoyance. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I asked you to do this quick. Like, you can give all of this, like, stuff in a summary report or whatever, but Jesus Christ, get to it. My favorite is when he's, like, going on and on, and she's just like, I have, I have a gun. A gun. <laughs> um, I actually, what what impresses me about this character is he's, like, a two-scene character. Um, but... He does like feel like he has interiority. Um, he he does yes he is very believable as a Wolferman Hart mm-hmm. employee, mostly due to the fact that he says like, "Oh, you got somebody else to translate this? this is that guy who has an eye on who's had an eye on my cubicle? I mean, granted, he only has the one eye." <laughs> I love just how they're able to work in the demon humor. Uh, at this point, it's like. It's so easy to do, but funny every time. You know, it's so funny. I interpreted that joke differently. And your interpretation makes perfect sense. My interpretation was that he was just a regular human, but he only had one eye because he pissed someone off at the firm. And had oh, okay. lost it as a punishment. Fair enough. I just assumed <laughs> that it was a one-eyed demon. I mean, I, I think both of our explanations are equally plausible mm-hmm. in this world. Uh, but yeah, Holtz is thinking about... Uh... Holds his back where Shahjan is, and he's thinking about the. Uh, yeah, he's thinking about um, the this encounter that we saw the first part of at the beginning of the episode, and uh, the Holtz's men are like, "Please, let's take you away from here." And he's like, "No, like we can no longer like show any mercy. We have to do what we have to do." And he grabs his. Um, it, it's now day. Mm-hmm. He grabs his daughter and. Th- throws her out into the sunlight and you see her like her face she vamps out and then like burns and it's pretty much kind of like you know there are many ways to lose a soul there are a couple ways to gain a soul but this is probably when holtz truly loses his soul yeah um because he has been forced to destroy what's left of his daughter yeah uh, I, this scene right here is actually what makes the Holtz, particularly the flashbacks, the Holtz stuff work for me more. Um, in the last episode, I was like, I was being a little glib about <laughs> his family. But honestly, I think part of the reason I was being so glib was that I was just like, this is just such a standard backstory. Like, it's so, okay, like, okay, they killed your family. And I'm, you know, obviously in real life, Horrible, but like from a storytelling perspective, it's just kind of boring. Yeah, it's it's something that we've kind of seen already. Yeah, um, and it doesn't have the weight that's needed to make Holtz an intriguing character. Exactly. I and but I think this wrinkle here, turning the daughter, and he was forced to kill the daughter. That for me is like, oh, that's far more interesting as far as storytelling and character building goes. Agreed. So. Um, I, uh, so my apologies for calling his whole family stupid and deserving of death last week. Uh, <laughs> I think they'll get over it. They're fictional characters. They're also all dead. They're all dead. <laughs> uh, 
but um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so uh, when Angel is uh, with the team, he says that Holtz is back, um, and uh, it's very important that they know that they don't know what Holtz looks like. Mm-hmm. The only people at this point that know what Holtz looks like are um, Lila. And even then, she's, like, not too familiar with who Holtz is. But it's Darla and Angel. Yeah. Um, that's important for later. Keep a pin in that. <laughs> uh, and uh, a lot of them say that, like, oh, maybe Holtz is, like, one of the prophesized forces because there's so much happening. Um, and uh, Fred goes on a very long hypothesis. And she's like, oh, well, maybe that means that, like, He's here, and he's like the one who's supposed to like kill your kill the sun, and like she just is gets so into it, and everybody's like just stares at her, like okay, I'm sorry, that, that was a little too much. Uh, this actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because this is another thing. It, it is, it's a weird thing that just just bugged me. Um, so many characters, I can't remember if they were doing it in the other episodes of this arc as well, but I was I noticed it. Uh, Wesley said it and then Fred said it they kept referring to the baby as Angel's unborn child and I don't know something I was like why do we keep saying unborn they all know that the child is unborn Um, and I know that's like it's technically true it just felt um, I don't know I believed it when Wesley says it because he's he's so British (laughs) Um, but something about the way Fred said Angel's unborn child in that little speech I was like that felt I don't know. It it didn't feel true to her voice. I feel like she would have just said Angel's child. I do like how uh, how when Angel finally confronts Darla, he does say like I'm getting really tired of people like determining my son's destiny before he's even born. Love so that line. maybe he felt a little bit of that annoyance that you're starting to feel. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like hey, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, basically, Angel's like I can find Darla quicker on my own, and uh, it doesn't. I like that it doesn't feel like he's trying to brush off the rest of Angel mm-hmm. Investigations the way that it did last season. Um, I think they all just kind of understand. And uh, he does say, but he does tell them, like, find a safe place where Darla can have this baby. Yeah, you know, I think that's exactly it. He, he's not brushing them off. He was recognizing that, yes, he's the one who will have an easier time finding Darla. And while he's doing that, they can be useful. Yeah. Um, also, I don't think any of them are too excited to find Darla <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah, they're like, fuck it, you can go find her. Um, Shah Jahan uh, is confronted by Holtz. Holtz says, like, you didn't tell me that Angelus has a soul now. Um, and he's like, so what? So like, I mean, it's the same guy. Like, he, yeah, his hair's shorter and spikier. He's obviously using product. <laughs> <laughs> this show will never not go to whatever lengths it has to to roast Angel's hair. <laughs> um, there's such a... There is... Um, there's a moment in... It's actually in um, the... Buffy finale, series finale, where uh, it's not even a verbal roast, but there's an image. Uh, I don't I'm trying to uh, like skirt around spoilers, but someone draws a picture of Angel that is not. Flattering. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, you can probably guess who it is, but if you can't, then 
We'll just what, leave it yeah, at that. Yeah, we're, 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 we got a little bit of time before oh then. But I just, oh gosh, I love, <laughs> I love roasting Angel. It is really great. <laughs> I mean, he is Captain Forehead after all. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, and so Xiao Zhan initially thinks that this means that um, Holtz is like going to see him, like that Holtz is going to pity Angel. But no, Holtz is just like, no, this just means that fighting angel with a soul is go- killing angel with a soul is going to be a different task than killing a soulless angelus mm-hmm. um and honestly shaojan is he's kind of just an annoyance in this episode it's it's really weird that uh and maybe it's because by comparison Holt, holtz looks so much better yeah uh but um he's more just kind of like a means to an end to see holtz's motivations in this mm-hmm. episode and kind of give a hint of what he's about to do yeah uh, well yeah both of his like appearances in this episode are their purpose is to set up kind of this bait and switch with holtz where it, the episode's kind of like oh is holtz seeing the gray now is he going to change his mind is he going to oh no he's not um and they kind of use holtz uh, to get there, I prefer it in the end of the episode where it's where Sajan's stuff comes out of like a place of like anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, where here he just comes across as kind of stupid. Yeah, like it takes him a long time to figure out what Holtz is saying, even though Holtz is laying it out yeah. very plainly. He has to explain yeah, it like it's, twice. Yeah, it's it's kind of silly, and uh, and Holtz does say like, "Oh, is there anything else you haven't told me?" He's like. Nope. <laughs> so Shaojun yeah. clearly knows about Darla's baby. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Angel does find Darla on her roof. He says, you always enjoyed a view. Call back. Yep. Um, and uh, this is when... Oh, man. It's it's really hard to tell which is better, like, this scene or Darla's final scene. I almost but, don't even want to try to compare. Yeah, yeah. Like... They're, they're just both good. Um, but, yeah, Darla says that she feels love like this is the first thing that she has ever loved in the world this child and she says that it's the reason is because she isn't nourishing this baby the baby is nourishing her and gosh man that is that is a rough image yeah but like the only reason that she's feeling these things are because um because the child has a soul this boy has a soul like they said it's a boy um and that is like darla's drawing energy from that and drawing like emotions from that and uh she doesn't want to have this baby because if she does then that connection is going to be broken mm-hmm. and she won't love it anymore and she doesn't want to stop loving it god that gets me it's so upsetting and of course she says she also says, um, you know, she won't even remember that she loved it. And she has that line where she says, I want to remember, which I can't imagine wasn't a deliberate callback to um, I, will I Will Remember You. you. Um, it's it, it's too specific. Um, and Julie Benz just... Uh, just... Just call Julie Benz John Lithgow in season four as Dexter, because she is killing it. <laughs> that was ironically <laughs> John Lithgow kills Julie Benz yeah. in, <laughs> spoiler for Dexter season 4 yeah. sorry um, but no she just this whole scene is I mean I think we've always 
talked about how much we like Julie Benz on this show. And she she's doing laps around herself in this mm-hmm. episode. Like, she was like, oh, you thought I was good before? Well, <laughs> We've seen nothing yet. It, it's so... It's such an interesting situation because she is... Excuse me. Uh, because we've seen her kind of, like, tackle with her... Like, grapple with her own emotions. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she goes from, like, clueless to bad to, um, to like, you know, having, like, suffering with her soul to... Uh, not having a soul anymore and the fact that now in a completely different way from Angel a soul is being forced on her Mm -hmm. and that is such an interesting dynamic to see play out and I mean Julie Benz just nails it yeah if I had to if I had one disappointment of this storyline is that we didn't get maybe one more episode of her I feel like there maybe was some stuff that could have been mined um, and maybe in parallel to the episode Darla where we see Darla's reaction to Angel getting his soul. Um, I think maybe there could have been some stuff, some dynamic work done between Angel and Darla um, around that. Um, it's not the most important thing, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm mostly just like, I just want more of Darla I, yeah, in this I, in this. Yeah, capacity. and I feel like, I feel like um, in, uh, what was the first episode of this uh in offspring offspring um that was like you introduced that mm-hmm. she loves this child yeah. um and quickening was a little too much filled with all the other crazy crap that was happening mm-hmm. that it didn't feel like um it didn't have the time it like it could have been a little more time spent given to this as opposed to like i, I really do feel like of this trilogy of of Darla and Angel, like, finally having this child. Mm-hmm. Offspring, like, Quickening is kind of like the the odd one out. Yeah. Of, um, kind of, like, mostly humorous. Uh, but, I mean, you know, Offspring and Lullaby are, you know, just fantastic mm-hmm. and really dialing into the drama of it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, as we said, this translator, um, has translated the Niazin Scrolls. And he says that uh, according to them, like even though there's mention of birth, there's there will be no birth, only death. Yeah. Um, Which, the, uh, of course, yeah, very um, Macbethian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the gang ends up going to Caritas uh, because they think that it's literally the only place where you know no violence, so they can all be safe. Um, Lorne is busy trying to uh, get all the stuff ready for the grand reopening tomorrow. Um, and in the end, like, uh, the demon who's been working on it, named Arnie, who we've seen before as the ability to just kind of, like, replay conversations exactly. He's like a, he's like a demon tape recorder or yeah. something. <laughs> um, while he was working, Lauren heard him humming, and he saw the, like, oh, you're gonna, like, you're going to miss one connection and this is going to be uh, like you're going to drag this job out as much as possible. So he fires him, says, I'm going to work on this on my own. Um, the spell to stop the violence still isn't in in place yet. Uh, and they know this because uh, 
uh, Fred t- Fred just keeps smacking Gun over and over again, <laughs> which is really funny. Gun's such a champ. Yeah, no, um, he is. I do like that how they do this because it's specifically what's you know before we saw that it was just a pretty standard spell, um, but he's now he's in, uh, he's uh, changing it to include human violence as well as demon violence, and that makes it more complicated, which is why they have this like kind of little mini story of trying to get it up and running all for nothing <laughs> yeah um arnie ends up going to uh shajan's lair and he like plays back the conversation to tell holtz like where um angel and darla are going to be again like holtz is still unaware that darla is mm-hmm. uh, pregnant and has a human child um and you know uh, he, uh, Shajan is still not telling Holtz that. Um, when uh, Darla and Angel get to Caritas, they put her in the, uh, put her in the, they put her in Lauren's bed, and and Angel says that the contractions have stopped, the heartbeat is weakening, and that's when uh, Wesley kind of like gives him like, hey, Darla's body can't sustain life, so. Um, and we can't do a C-section because there's all of this magic protecting the child. Like, because, uh, you know, Darla's tried to kill this child and it hasn't worked. Uh, there is magic protecting it. And Angel at first is like, why would the powers that be have given like him this miracle? But now the baby's going to die. Um, he's like, you don't get half miracles. Uh, that line... And- the line itself is like whatever, but David puts so like he his voice breaks like in the middle of it, mm-hmm. and I just I just felt it. I felt yeah. all of that. Yeah, and you know, like everything gets so. I mean, obviously the spotlight is on Darla this episode, but I mean, yeah, David Boreanaz puts in just a hell of a performance, yeah. and I mean, obviously his scenes with Darla are the best because you know if it. He he no longer sees Darla as an enemy. Yeah. He sees her as, like, the mother of his child. And also, I mean, I think... I think while Darla may not have had any... Like, have not loved anything before, I believe that even at, even at this point, angels love Darla. Yeah. I'm, I'm checking this because I believe... At the time, around the time that this storyline in this episode in particular were happening, um, he, I think, yeah, he was, uh, David Boreanaz was expecting a kid. Um, he okay. had, wow, um, so this hit close to home. Yeah, he had a son, or he has a son, who was born in May of 2002. Um, so it would have been, er- you know, his wife would have been in the early stages of the preg- mm-hmm. of a pregnancy. But he would have known. But yeah, exactly. he would have known. Because this is end of September, so... And it's a... I guess that's like one of the reasons why... Not saying that David isn't a fantastic actor, oh, but... yeah. You definitely see, like, this... The, the performance rings even more true now. Yeah, I mean, I can... I can... I can... I, I, I really would love to hear what it was like having to play the storyline while, you know while going through a real life pregnancy mm-hmm. um so um but at this point gun and this is kind of like the real significant scene it, it should be noted that the angels investigations team are very much second second oh, panel yeah. in this but 
I feel like trying to force them into it and have making them have like huge moments would have taken away from the story. Like yeah. this has to be Angel Holtz and Darla. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gunn does say, "Oh, maybe, uh, like maybe we need to just think that the powers that be didn't send this child. Maybe the child is the thing that is uh, that is like." the the horrible the horror talked about in the prophecy and the powers that be like this is their way of preventing that and you know angel's not good about that and cordy says why do you have to be so honest and tries to smack him but (laughs) the spell's now in effect yay good job lauren yeah uh so that's an interesting scene um and maybe it's just meant to be I'm still trying to struggle with like that thing with uh, gun speeches placement in this episode. Um, maybe like as the season goes on, it'll be a little more clear um, because we do get we do find out more about this baby as the show goes yeah. on. I think well, I think its primary purpose is for him to say something that to get Angel into the room with Darla so that they don't know that Holtz is coming. Oh, I didn't even mm-hmm. not even that. I think it was. I mean, yes. But I also think it was for him to say something that would get him smacked. Yeah. So that they could establish that the spell is working. It just seems so much more... Um, it just seems so much bigger than that. Though. Yeah. I, I would say, though, that it does tie in a bit with Fred's speech. Um, it is just highlighting that they still, you know, even after all these episodes, really don't know what's going on. Yeah. So I think, I think we're seeing characters just throwing out theories... And here we go, like, all the way back to we don't, like, we don't know what this prophecy is. We don't know what's good and what's bad in this mm-hmm. prophecy. And that's Angel's thing. We yeah. don't know what's good and what's bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Angel goes into Lauren's bedroom, and she's like, oh, I, like, I know that I can't give our son life. And she's sad about that. Yeah. Um, Holtz comes in. Nobody knows who he is. Lord gives him a flyer saying like, "Oh, hey, just so you know, we're um, we're opening tomorrow, we're not open tonight." He's in the process of getting drinks for everybody because everybody's feeling really down. <laughs> um, and so as Holtz walks back out of the club, he's humming the lullaby that he sang to his daughter um, right before he kills, right before he has to like throw her out into the sun, and uh, obviously. Lauren hears that and takes him a little bit, but he realizes that they're in danger. So he's like, let's get out of here. And he does this as Holtz throws a, like, I'm assuming like a can of gas. Some, yeah, some yeah. sort of, some sort of, uh, yeah, um, some flammable uh, material. What's that? What's that called? Um, like, um, there's a word for it. Pressurized tank? No, no, no. Like, like specifically, like, and it means flammable, but like explosive, explosive, nah, like maybe igniter. Is that something? I don't know. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. It's it's really just it. You know, something that will explode. But yeah, he th- he throws that down, and it like down the stairs, but it doesn't go through the doors. And uh, there's also like a grenade throw down with it because hey grenades yeah why not in this episode and uh that explodes 
And uh, so, well, so all the work that was put into Caritas is undone. I felt so bad for Lore. I, I mean, I know it's not the focus, but he was so excited to get the club reopened. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just want to say props to Colts for just like taking all this shit that he's, you know, he just came from seventeen something. And he walks into this club and doesn't even blink at this camp pansexual demon in a suit. He's like, no, sure, I will take your flyer, thank you. Uh, now I'm going to blow up your bar. So yeah, and this is when Angel tells Darla about Holtz being here. And she's like, you didn't tell me that before? I was waiting for the right time. Um, I love when he's like, Holtz is here. And she, she really has this moment of like, what? <laughs> like, like, well, just, I mean, it kind of it kind of mirrors the audience. Like, who the hell's this guy? <laughs> yeah, it's very like. I mean, it's just I mean, it's just so out of context for her. I mean, I, I imagine you're just you're Angel and Darla, you're Angelus and Darla. You've been dealing with this dude for however many years, and then one day, apparently, he just kind of vanishes off the face of the earth, and then three hundred years later, he's like, "I'm back, y'all." here to cause some mischief. <laughs> I'm sorry. Holtz would never smile or do any sort of little dance. <laughs> he would say, Angelus, I've come for you. You, you have to have the accent of like Listen, I'm Angelus. I'm worse than David Boreanaz <laughs> at accents. Yeah. <laughs> Angelus, I'm here for you. Oh, that's Angela. good. That was good. I... I do okay with the with the accent. You got the and you got his cadence really well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he does have that really like menacing, soft-spoken mm-hmm. cadence. Uh, but yeah, and this is um, so uh, the gang needs Angel to help like bust through the wall um, to get out of there. Holtz is coming through. He's got a crossbow. He is ready to just end this. Um, so. Angel tells everybody else to run and get the car. Um, Fred remains behind while Darla's, like, collapsed in the alley. So this was actually what I was looking up at the beginning of the episode um, to see if there was any sort of trivia or um, about this. About, and this is not a criticism of the episode at all, but you would think it would be Cordy. That's what I thought, Who stays behind. And I don't mind that it's Fred. I actually quite like that it's Fred. Um, And I I really can't put any explanation on it other than I just do. Um, But I do wonder. I'm like, what what went into that choice to have Fred be the one? Is it because Fred is the smallest and most, quote-unquote, fragile, so that when they're being threatened, it's more... It feels more dangerous? Is it... I don't know. I don't know what it is about it, the fact that it's Fred that stays behind that as a writing choice is very mystifying to me. But also, I really like it. I really like See, that she's there. I actually think that it should be Cordelia. Yeah. And it, given everything that happens afterwards, mm-hmm. it only makes more sense that it should have been Cordelia. I was very puzzled by the fact that it was Fred. Um and maybe like they just wanted to have a an important moment with Fred in there just to kind of solidify our presence. Um, I can't remember anything off the top of my head that would make it seem that it was important that Fred be there as opposed to Cordelia. Mm-hmm. But it really feels like, especially with the way these last few episodes have played out, that it should be Cordelia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just seems weird that it isn't. Yeah. And yeah, that's well, kind of... So I do have like a little bit of a knock against it, but this is... 
the minor, the yeah. most minor of I gripes. I feel like every gripe we've had about this episode have just been the most nitpicky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not bad. I think you're good. Um, but that's, I mean, I feel like that's how it kind of is often when we're when we're on episodes that we really, really love. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the knocks that we have them are nitpicky because... Yeah we are having a critical discussion and um you know we're not gonna sit here and be like it's perfect no no it's flawless but um but when an episode is as good yeah i mean like critiques even, that we have are minor even with uh once more with feeling we still had a couple of uh yeah like you had actually a big gripe at the end of the episode concerning like uh whether it was actually xander's fault or not yeah. uh yeah now that you do say mention say that about um uh, about the Fred thing, I, I did suddenly wonder if perhaps some of the behind-the-scenes issues uh, might be the reason... Oh, it could be. ...that uh, that it wasn't Cordy and it was Fred. Um, once again, kind of difficult to talk about without getting into stuff that comes in the future, but... Um, but um, also, <laughs> Angel, just like the second, like... Fred stays behind, and uh, we should mention that it's pouring down rain. He just, like, doesn't even wait. He get, throws that jacket right around her. So cute. But, yeah, this is this is the scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's, uh, Darla's on the ground. She says, our son is going to die in an alley. You died in an alley. Oh, I love that and, line. And um, she, she says that she can't say that she's sorry and that she didn't mean it because she isn't sorry and she did mean it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, aren't you going to say it's okay? And Angel's like, no, I'm not. And she does say that they did many terrible things together and she can't make up for any of it. But the only good thing that they ever did together was making this child. And then she grabs a piece of wood from the broken wall and says, make sure you tell him that. Mm. And stakes herself, leaving just the baby in the rain behind um the so it's so powerful like the performance is powerful obviously um i just can't say it enough the actual moment is just it's 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 shocking but also just like it's something that's so shocking but at the same time it's like oh that was also inevitable um the uh just the juxtaposition of the rain with the fire um, also, is, I forgot like, to mention it, but um, yeah, the fact that uh, Darla starts freaking out when she sees the burning in Lauren's room, mm-hmm. and I saw the and I saw the parallel of how the first time that Holtz is mentioned is when they're in the burning barn. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's so good. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk real quick, and it really didn't ever occur to me until we were literally watching this an hour ago. Um, it's really shocking to me that I've never thought more about this, but the symbolism of alleys on Angel, obviously, as as we uh, as we talked about, Angel died in an alley where he was turned into a vampire. Uh, I, the credits always uh, the the opening always ends with Angel yeah. walking down the alley. Yeah, we we you know the baby. I almost said his name. Uh, the baby is born in an alley. Um, there's an incredibly significant moment in the series finale in an alley leave it at that um and like and yes part of it of course is that it's a bit of a noir show and 
Um, it's a neo-noir and it's set in a big city. So like alleyways. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we have so many significant moments like this in the show, you know, those three off, just off the top of my head. Um, yeah. yeah. That's, that's all I have to say about that. No, yeah. no, I, that's a good call. Um, but yeah, this, um, at this point, uh, Holtz is coming through the, like, ruins of Caritas, and he points his crossbow at Angel. He sees Angel and Fred standing there, Angel's holding the baby. And, uh, you know, further ahead, there the car drives up, Angel's car drives up, uh, with, um, you know, Cordelia, Wes, and Gunn in it, but uh, there are demons blocking the way. And there's just this long look of Holtz at Angel and Angel at Holtz. And Holtz lowers his crossbow. Angel and Fred walk away and they're going to the car and Holtz isn't telling the demons to attack them. And at this point, uh, Shahjan is yelling at Holtz. is like, what are you doing? Finish this now. But um, he lets Angel and Fred get to the car with the baby. And then... It's it's meant to make you think like oh is is Holtz like remembering his humanity, and Holtz says, "I swore that I wouldn't show any mercy, and I won't." Yeah. So I, he his plans have changed. Yeah, it's so it's really chilling. It is like to because yes, as you said, it's it's a bit of it's a bait and switch. We are meant to s- suspect that oh yeah he's changed his mind he's going to he's going to grant the mercy the mercy that he wasn't granted by them this shows that he is not a good man he is merely a righteous man yep and he yeah the second he sees that baby you know i I feel like this isn't a spoiler because just because of his line it's like he's oh yeah he's just moving the goalposts Mm -hmm. um and uh to a child that did him no wrong like so um yeah oh lullaby yeah it's a top 10 angel episode for me it's fantastic it's it's um i i feel like a lot of uh a lot of season three kind of gets muddled for me because so much stuff happens in oh, it. yeah uh but i always remember lullaby as this episode particularly for this scene mm-hmm. um with darla's death and uh and the Holt stare off, standoff, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's great. Will you re- remind me when we did almost ten years ago, possibly more, um, that Buffy Angel marathon at your uh, old apartment? Was this one of the episodes that was included? I can't remember. It's really hard because it's really hard to remember because we threw so many episodes in there, like. We watched The Gift. Mm-hmm. We watched Becoming. So we watched a lot of emotional episodes. We may have skipped this uh, just to do something like Spin the Bottle. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, I feel like we were very Buffy heavy. Um, and we didn't have too many Angel episodes. So I don't think this is one oh. of them. But yeah, I couldn't remember. Yeah. We watched a lot that night. We did. We, we did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's five stars. Yeah, five stars. I, it's I, I can't. Yeah, and like, honestly, I'm... this, this is kind of a turning point for Angel. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's almost 
as big of a turning point as Innocence is for Buffy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the show's the show's entire chemistry has changed. Oh yes. Um and we'll leave it up to you all to decide whether it's for better or worse, but you know, a show's chemistry can very much be changed with the introduction of a baby. Oh yeah. Um and yeah, we'll we'll just see what yeah. happens with this. Uh, there are a plethora of opinions on both sides <laughs> about what what happens going forward. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. All right. Anything else about Lullaby? No, man. It's just a fantastic watch. Um, and you know, we've had this storyline building up since the beginning of the season, and it was I thought it was great for it. Like it, it, what a way to end it, yeah. and what a way to, again, this is kind of our last real full appearance of Julie Benz as Darla. Mm -hmm. um, we know that she's come back to life before, but can you believe? Like, compare this scene, this episode, to the very first episode of Buffy. Welcome yeah. to Hellmouth. And I never would have. Yeah. yeah, could you could you see the character having this amount of depth? And that is. One of the things, I mean, Angel as a series does incredible things to the Buffy mythos. This may be one of the best things that it does to the Buffy Buffy mythos. Yeah. Um, I also, now that we're here, we can officially state that Darla holds the record in the Buffyverse for most deaths. <laughs> her original human death, her staking by Angel's hand, her second human death. And now her staking um, at her own hand. Congratulations, Darla. Your award is in the mail. <laughs> you will get it in heaven. Or maybe not. Because <laughs> the status of your redemption is up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, anything else? No, I love it. Yeah. Um, well, then, take us away. Yes. Uh, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week with Buffy Season 6. Episode 9. 69. Noise. <laughs> Smashed. Uh, Not to be confused with Smash, the short-lived NBC drama? Comedy? Uh, it Dramedy? Was, it had a lot of things yeah. going on that were often tonally confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jason. I've been your wonderful recapper this episode. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Instagram for random photos if you want uh, at yamij357. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And you can find us, Booze and Buffy, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. In all those cases, the and is spelled out A-N-D. Yes. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we're highlighting Mom Cares. That's capital M, capital O, capital M, capital C for cares. Mom Cares serves under-supported mothers with NICU experiences in Baltimore City by providing prenatal and postpartum doula care, including transportation, advocacy, self-care opportunities, and nutritious meals to mothers and their families. Visit 
www.momcares.org for more information. And I do want to just mention that uh, this charity I chose specifically, um, it was it was the charity that Lance Reddick's uh, wife uh, mentioned oh. in her statement about his death. It was one that they supported, um, and I felt it was very appropriate to the episode as well. Wonderful and fitting. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, as always, go slay. And be gay. Goodbye.